0: The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church, or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be with you all on this bright, sunny day. Makes it a little bit easier coming back from uh, warm Guatemala. Uh, for those that don't know me, uh, Pastor Mike already introduced me, but my name's Tyler Griffin, families, some of them up on the second row here, but it's my privilege to help oversee our small groups within the church and also support our other pastors, including pastor, senior pastor Mark Jesky, who he and his wife, as many of you know, recently had another little one uh, in these service gatherings, so it's my privilege to bring the word today but, as I just mentioned, we recently returned from a trip to Guatemala. The message is not about that this morning. There will be a couple maybe little things woven in. But I want to take a couple of minutes, show a few pictures, and uh, wet your appetite so you come back on March 10th, because we're going to have a mission-focused night with lots of testimonies, songs, and a video that's being worked on with highlights from the trip. So if we could put those pictures up on the screen, please. Uh, there you'll see on the left upper-hand corner um, a group of us that were, that were taking a picture in front of the kitchen that we built onto a home up in the mountains. On the right-hand side, far right, you'll see uh, the mission leader from the local missions group there um, that helped to lead our team in our, in our outreaches during the week. Go to the next one, please. This is what we did in multiple different locations. As we did physical projects, we also did ministry with children and families. And there you'll see in one of the churches that we gathered in that space, we had about 50 kids that came out, and we did a number of different programs. We uh, did skits. That most of the team participated in in some way, songs in Spanish, of course, and then gave a gospel presentation, um, which Nick Ortiz, I believe, is in the house, did an amazing job back there. All right, you can see him if you look really close. I know it's kind of a little bit small there, but you see his clown colored hair there um, doing a presentation. If you can go to the next one. All right, and then you see Nick there also. Um, doing some soccer sports stuff, and some other people helped with that and jumped in. Jack is there as well, jumped in after a full day of construction, playing soccer with the kids. And one of our guys, actually from Baltimore, uh, is a barber, has a barber shop, and so he cut about 25 boys' hair. So that was pretty fun. They were pretty, they were pretty happy. We had a church service that night, and he had a row of, of, his, of his boys, right? That was, it, was, it was great, with their fresh haircuts. You know, They sat by their barber. Um, so next screen. Okay, and there was a lot of prayer that happened everywhere we went. You can ask all of the team members about that, but God really moved in various ways. And you know, sometimes uh, we make ministry really complicated and it's just connecting the body of Christ, praying over people. In this specific instance, we gave out meals to 50 different, um, groceries, excuse me, to 50 different families in a village where there's a, a very little opportunity economically. It's actually a resettlement refugee place uh, from the the disruption of the volcano a few years ago. Uh, so it was a village we did ministry in in the past. So we went back there to distribute groceries, and there was 50 different families that we were able to bless in that way. Uh, the day before, you should have seen us going into a grocery store as a team and piling carts full. It was quite the sight. Um, I don't think they knew what to think of us. The manager was out there, like, "What is going on?" You know. And then we load up the back of a truck and and uh, and then package it all to distribute. But in that time, of prayer it was very powerful. Matter of fact, it was so powerful. Um, later on, there was this elderly gentleman who couldn't see very well. And he, I guess he had seen all of the people lined up and receiving prayer um, from observing outside. So he ends up in one of these lines to get his face painted. And we're watching like, okay, okay not sure that this is the, the right setting, and he gets all the way up there, and it's Sarah Lane, and she's like, wait, like hey, am I supposed to, you know, and, and he's trying to communicate, and he's pointing here, you know, and, well, what is going on? And so we had a, you know, somebody come over, I think it was, uh, I think it was Nick came over um, to speak with him, and he had come for prayer. He wanted to receive prayer, too. And he had seen the line, so he assumed the line was for prayer, and it was face painting. But anyway, so he got prayed for, so some group gathered around him as a powerful, powerful times of of prayer. In every place that we went, we did ministry in multiple different locations. If you go to the next slide... Um, this was some ministry that was done in the village on top of the mountain there on the left, and that's just an example, but we had a number of our team members that helped to lead worship in all the different areas we went, um, and then we would preach as well. We did that in three different locations. This night in particular, I do not he's not here, he'll be at the uh, 1045, but our brother Miguel actually brought the word, and did a great job um, in Spanish, so it was, it was, that was awesome. But we had, our, again, our worship team doing a great job throughout the week leading worship. And then on the right, we ate a ton of good food, all right, team members that are here. So it was, it was lots of fun eating as well, lots of uh, great fresh fruits and, and all kinds of stuff. Next screen, please. And then I'll just mention this. So the main prod or the biggest project I'll say that we did physically, uh, there's this remote mountain school to get there, um, I think a few of our team members were a little surprised, like, why didn't you tell us about this? I'm like, well, you might not have come. But anyways, we got in the back of four-wheel drive trucks, okay, when you come to the missions night, we'll show you some pictures and video content of that. Got in the back, standing in the back of a four-wheel drive truck, and we go up the mountain. And it's, it's you know, pretty much as I just described, pretty pretty crazy. Um, so we get up to the top of the mountain, it's up on the the very, very, Tippy point there of a ridge line of a mountain, um, and we did a, did several days of ministry there. The big project again being this very remote school. Teachers walk two hours each way to teach, and so they don't, you know, they can't do anything other than just show up and teach pretty much. But the people from the village came out and helped. We had moms and kids involved as well. And uh, we started with cleaning, and that took half a day, and had masks and everything. It was a dusty mess, um, but we ended up painting this entire school inside and out. It was, a, it was an awesome thing. I, I think the t- you know, it was a little overwhelming initially, took three coats to, to get it covered up. Um, you can go to the next screen there, um, before and after. It's a little difficult to see there, but it was tremendously different, bright, cheery. Some of the walls were much darker and dingier than even that one. Uh, All right, and go to, I think there's one last one. That's our team there. And that, that says, Dios, God, heart, just God's love. And that's what we were trying to bring everywhere we went. So lots of amazing stories and testimonies, but I don't wanna spoil it for the team. Please come out on March 10th. There was 16 of us that went, And there will be most, if not all, will share something that night. Um, So it's here at the church, 6 p.m., March 10th, two weeks from tonight. We're gonna have a video, we're gonna have Spanish songs, worship songs, and we're gonna be sharing lots of stories and testimonies. All right, so please come on out for that. All right, and with that, we're gonna transition to focusing on the message. It's my privilege to continue our sermon series in Ephesians. I'm going to pick up where Pastor Mark left off three weeks ago. So he looked at the first 14 verses and uh, really dove deep, you know, starting with the first couple verses on his, his opening. On, on what it means to be a saint. Pastor Mike, again, referenced that earlier this morning in, in opening up the worship. But how do you see yourself, saint or sinner? And he pressed into that, challenging us that, that our identity affects our behavior, affects it affects how we live this Christian life. And then the joy of being chosen by God, this this word, predestination for adoption, that God before time has planned for you to be his child and the amazing truth that that is when we really anchor our reality in that and then our full identity being rooted in Christ so in those first 14 verses let me just highlight a few of them they should be on the screen as well but he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing he chose us in him before the foundation of the world he has blessed us in the beloved in Christ In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood to unite all things in him, in Christ. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. In Christ, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So, so much truth packed into those 14 verses. And so, uh, if you didn't get the chance to hear them live and you haven't had the chance to listen, I'd encourage you, if you're newer here, go back and listen to them so you just get the full benefit as we go through, verse by verse, through the book of Ephesians and continue looking at what God has to show us. But uh, they, were, they were really, really great messages. So this morning's message, we're going to continue on into verse 15, and the title is That You May Know. That You May Know. Just pray with me, please. Lord, we recognize that only you can bring revelation from your word, and we didn't just come here to play church. We came here to know you better, to know your word better, to experience you together in community as you're gathered, you're called ones, Lord, your church, your people. We thank you for the fellowship with each other, some of which we had before and some of which we'll have after. But right now, we wanna have fellowship with you through your spirit as you reveal your word to our hearts. So would you do that, Lord? It's not me that can do that, it's you. And so we humble ourselves before you. Open up your word to us, Lord, and let us see. Let us see with the eyes of our heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible or a Bible on your phone and you wanna follow together, they'll be on the screen as well. We're gonna read from... Verse 15 in chapter 1 and continue through verse 23. That'll be our text this morning. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not have revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, Christ, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Starting in verse 15, the first aspect of that you may know, what I want to look at is this. We, we just looked at, we kind of did a brief refresher on in Christ, which is highlighted through those 14 verses. But what's interesting here is Paul transitions. He basically, he's saying, I'm, I'm thanking the Lord. I don't see, cease to give thanks for you because he's heard of two things. And so what I want to point out is these are two evidences that you are in Christ. Whether you're asking yourself or talking with someone else, sometimes the question can come up, how do I know if I'm in Christ? Well, right right from the text we see, he's thanking God that their faith is real, and he's attributing it, the realness, to two things, the evidence to two things. Number one, faith in the Lord Jesus. And here's what I want to highlight with this. In culture today, there's still a lot of people that like the idea of Jesus. Wouldn't you agree with that? And for many that may not be within churches or maybe within churches that perhaps don't hold to the entirety of the word of God, right, they like this idea of Jesus as their buddy, Jesus as their friend. And in one sense, right, What a friend we have in Jesus is a famous older hymn. Those things are true, but that's not the entirety of truth, and it should not be entirely how we relate to Jesus. And so Paul makes it clear, he says, faith in the Lord Jesus. And you'll see throughout Scripture this consistently. There's no friendship, there's no buddy-buddy with Jesus until you've surrendered to him as your Lord. He is Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yes, he's a friend like no other, right? He will never leave you nor forsake you. But those truths are spoken in the context of someone that has surrendered and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And he is Lord. He is Lord. Some people even may identify with him as their Savior, that he's rescued them, right? But again, there's this... This understanding of him as Lord, and that's where the line gets drawn many times. I want to challenge you this morning, if that's you, consider, is he your Lord? He is either Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all in your life. And that's a challenge for all of us, right? To, to, to wrestle with and, and question. Like, God, what, what areas of my life do I need to more fully surrender so that you are Lord? Now, this other aspect of faith. How many of you in the room have jumped out of a plane with a parachute? Actually, quite a few, all right. More than maybe, you know, your average audience, okay? Um, okay, now, how many of you believe in the concept of a parachute? Hands up. Okay, most, pretty much everybody. Few are holding back because they don't know what's coming next. All right. Now, now, how many of you believe that if you jumped out of a plane, you know, and you had a professional, you know, whole setup, right? You're not just jumping up with whatever, a neighbor. You're, you're, you're doing it professionally. It's a professional parachute. How many believe that the parachute would hold you up? All right, again, most hands in the room. How many of you, if you're up in a plane right now, had a parachute, strapped on, and they're like, jump! How many of you would hesitate? Honestly, all right. So like, it's one thing to have faith in a concept, right? And Pastor Mark gave a lot of great illustrations as he talked about what faith means, but, but this, this faith, it's like there, faith needs to be coupled, James makes it clear, with, with action. Like there's this, there's this aspect of, like if you place your faith in the Lord Jesus, you actually trust him. You know, you actually trust, anybody ever do one of those trust falls where you fall over and someone catches you? And the first time if they do it, like they stand back like one foot. It's like, oh, that's not too bad. And then all of a sudden they're not there and they're down here. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You know what I mean? Like it's like if, if you've done it before, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a little unnerving. And, and that's essentially like, yeah, it's, it's not always comfortable, this faith in the Lord Jesus, it sounds nice, the idea, but when you're actually living life and placing your faith in Jesus, right, this, is, this can be a challenge. And so that's what, that's what uh, Paul here says. And then the second thing he says is, evidence of being in Christ, love toward all the saints. Today, it's also becoming increasingly common to hear things like, I love Jesus. Man, I can, you know, I can really get with Jesus. It's just the church I can't stand. You know? I mean, Jesus are, he's OK, but his people, they're just, they're just not much like him, at least their version of who they think Jesus is, right? First John 4:20 says, "If anyone says, "I love God and hates his brother," he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen." Um, imagine someone comes up to me after service. And says, You know, you seem like a great guy. I'd really like to be friends. I'd like to hang out. Okay, cool. But your family, not so much. I, you know, if we could hang out sometime when they're not around, that'd be great. I really, really don't like them. You know, um, there's this other great pastor in the church, uh, Pastor Mark. Let me introduce you to and I, the point. The point is, like, We're not gonna get along. You guys understand me? Like my family is—they're me. Like they're part of me, right? Like, like if you get me, you get my family. You guys understand that? And it's like that's that's sometimes how. Now I'm not trying to say that we're equal with Christ in any way, and I'm not trying to diminish church hurt. Okay, some of you in this room have been hurt by churches or leaders in churches, and I get it. Like that's you know we've gone through that. We've gone through some very painful situations with church leaders that can be abusive, that can misuse the the authority and and power in a sense that that they have in the church. And so that's wrong. It needs to be repented of, you know, and in some cases in those unhealthy churches, the only option is to, to leave. So I'm not diminishing that, but I am challenging anyone that says you can just have a relationship with Jesus and not be in a healthy body of believers. That's not scriptural. Right? And so Paul makes it very clear here in his, in his second point here that he says that he's so thankful that they love all the saints. They have an evidence of love towards all the saints. Verse 16, again, remembering you in my prayers, now continuing on, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Jesus actually said in his final hours of, of you know, ministry pre cross, right, with his disciples, it's necessary that I go away because the one that's coming after me is the one that will bring you into all truth. And, and that truth is ultimately Jesus. You know, well we can pray for someone to receive revelation, receive this Holy Spirit, right? Um, This is not something that can be demanded or forcefully passed from one person to another. And this is another thing just to be cautious about in sort of today's church landscape, where they like, just show up to this meeting or be touched by this person and this will automatically happen. Well, God can move through prayers and he can certainly move through laying on of hands and, and praying for someone. It's not us that gives the gift. You guys understand what I'm saying? It's God, and that's what he says right here, the Father, um, you know, that gives this gift, that God, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Receiving the power of God's spirit is always a gift from our Father, and we need to keep our focus on our Father in that. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, and continuing on, in the knowledge of him, so what, what is the purpose that he's wanting this revelation for this church, for this group of believers? Now, we know from scripture there can be gifts, there can be ways the Holy Spirit you know, comes on people, and, and, and there's many amazing things, miracles that can happen as a result of the Holy Spirit showing up, the Holy Spirit of God showing up in power um, through people, right? But. The primary thing that should be happening, the fruit that we should see anytime the Holy Spirit is said to be at work, right? Where, where where people are filled with the Spirit, where a church is being impacted. It says the knowledge of him. And this knowledge, it's not just a head knowledge but it's also an experience, a reality, a revelation. And so through the first 14 verses, we see the truth of us positionally in Christ. If you're a believer, you're in Christ, and taking your identity from that is critical. But now we see Paul flipping it a little bit, and he's also saying Christ in you. In Colossians, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so he's pressing into this, the spirit of God. This is that revelation, that, that experience of knowing Christ, the indwelling spirit of Jesus. This experience that we can have as believers, should have as believers. And then he says in verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened and I, I think it's interesting at the choice of words here it says eyes of your heart not your mind now the mind's important don't get me wrong some you know you know there's there's thing like you know just leave your brain at, you know they have this perception of church leave your brain at home you know um, just it's all an experience no 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 God has given us brains and an ability to think and bring understanding to our minds but there, there's a deeper level of experience there's this there's this eyes of your heart. That Paul says he's praying for this revelation. It's something that's powerful. It's difficult to explain this revelation sort of deep inside of you when God shows up. Um, you know, one of our sisters on the, on the trip, you know, explained it this way. She's like, it's just like, you just know in here, you know, there's just this, the reality of God. And, and many of you that walked with God for years or had these experiences with God, he's like, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's not just emotion, it's this inner knowing. And that's what Paul is, is crying out to for this body of believers that they would know That they would know, and that's what he says in continuing on in verse 18, that you may know. So much of the rhetoric today across the landscape, it's just, it's political talking heads. It's every person's perspective, all of its, you know, and then some believe everyone's equally valid. But again, as scripture makes it clear, there there is truth. There is a source of truth. It's God and his word, right? And there is a knowing. And there's a revelation from God's spirit that leads to not just an opinion or an experience, but an inner knowing as God's word comes alive. And that's Paul's cry for this church, for this group of believers. And this letter obviously would pass throughout other churches. So it's his prayer for all the churches, I believe, that he had influence over. Um, But it's also... God's heart for us. These words have been preserved for us. And so God wants us to know that he, that he is not just real in theory, but that we've experienced him deep inside. And I, I wanna challenge you this morning with that. Do you know that you may know? What is the hope to which he has called you? Peter says it this way, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Why? because the hope that we have defies logic and reason. So here's the thing, friends. Everyone can have hope when things are going great, right? A few weeks ago, we had prayer. We gathered in prayer for one of the precious families of this church with, uh, with someone battling cancer, right? And, and, and many of you have gone through very tragic things in your life. But when Mike Gibson stood up at the end of that meeting and looked around the room thanking everyone for coming, there was a strength and a hope there that was so real that's something the world can't give. There's something that you can't find out there, right? And that's the hope we have. It defies logic. You can be on your deathbed. You can go through unimaginable loss And you can still have that hope. I was telling my wife yesterday as we were driving, I was just like, I can't imagine living life without that hope. When I look at people around me and all of their enjoyment, their satisfaction, their hope, it's wrapped up in material possessions and in this life only. Because they don't believe in anything beyond this or it's some euphoric idea of, you know, whatever. But it's like not having that concrete hope. I can't imagine living without that. It's powerful. And it's something that I hope is is real for you this morning. Continuing on, it says, what are the riches, the hope he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And this is amazing. So Jesus has an inheritance in the saints, right? So he's, again, this word saint. Do you understand saint this morning, that you are the inheritance of Jesus. When the Bible talks about the joy set before him that he endured the cross, feelings of shame and worthlessness, waves of anxiety, things that come because we are under attack spiritually at times or bombarded with lies from the world. You're the inheritance of Jesus Christ. Do you think that God the Father would give his son something worthless? You have value, and God has placed you as the inheritance of Jesus. It's a powerful truth that I hope you can ponder, that you can meditate on. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? There's a uh, uh, well-known worship song, the power of Christ, that, that there's this, this concept that the, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. That's another amazing truth that I want to challenge you to, to ponder on, to meditate on this week. All right, hold with me a minute. Imagine there's an orphan, okay, homeless, orphan, no family, he has nothing surviving on the streets. And imagine this orphan is adopted by a powerful king, all right? And he's brought into, you know, the, the, this, this, you know, setting of, of pomp and power, and he's given access to everything as a, as a son of the king, all right? So imagine that with me this morning. He's lavished with gifts of grace. He's heir great wealth and power. He's loved by the king himself. It wasn't just a formality. It was actually I bring you in as my son. But imagine this child, this orphan, continuing to live with a deep sense of rejection and worthlessness, not taking advantage of his or her access to their new father, still living in the former identity they had on the street, saying, you don't know what I did. I stole, I lied, I cheated. But the new family members and caretakers around them are saying, yeah, but that's who you used to be. Do you understand who your father is? The king has adopted you and brought you in. So with that thought, here's the challenge for you. The next time you hear that demonic voice whisper in your ear, You know what you did. You are such a horrible person. You are worthless. And I'm not talking about repentance and righteous conviction. I'm talking about condemnation, the voice of the enemy right now. Okay? Talking about your past or thoughts you've had or just these almost like illogical waves of shame that sometimes we experience. Try this for a reply. Okay. But do you know who my father is? Anchor your reality, not in how you feel in the moment, not in what you've done in your past, not in what your struggles are in the present, but who your Father is. Who your Father is. And this Jesus seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, Jesus, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, and I'm not an expert on these things, we probably have some great historians in the room, but I know just enough of history to know this is a common thing. Um, World War II, when it's coming to the end, right, and the victory of the Allies was a near guarantee. Um, And the man who had been used as an instrument of Satan to the destruction of so many, Hitler, was dead. There was still many bloody battles fought after that. You see, victory had to be enforced, right? Even in countries that essentially had given up, there was still pockets of resistance. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so there still had to be an enforcement of that victory, a taking of ground in a sense. We see from this scripture, Christ has won the victory. We know the end of the story. And we know even now Jesus rules and reigns from heaven. When we pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, bringing heaven's rule to bear here on earth. And yet he's left us in this place of so much struggle, so much pain. So much, in a sense, tragedy around us, right, of difficult things we go through and around us people going through. We're his ambassadors, his people, to bring his gospel, his truth, his rule, his reign to bear on our own lives first, our families, within our homes, and then within our communities, our schools, our church, our workplaces, our state, our nation, and our world. Revelations talks about Satan and his evil hordes of demons being in a desperate rage because they know their time is short and their defeat is sure. But you see, Satan is the deceiver. And since the beginning of Genesis, this has been his method for seeking our demise. If he can make you believe that you are defeated, that you are powerless, in one sense, he wins that battle, do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he does, he comes and he lies. Romans, I wanna tie this closing verse where it talks about putting, these two verses where it talks about everything being put under the feet of Jesus, look at one more verse as we, as we close this out, Romans 16, 20, should be on the screen, says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Isn't that interesting? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Paul talking to the Roman church at that time specifically. Again, letters that would be passed around. So, and it's been preserved for us and has significance for us today. So everything has been placed under the feet of Jesus, but not necessarily under our feet because If we're positioned in Christ and Christ in us, now we have to positionally take that stand of victory and actually walk in his victory. The scriptures say the spirit that's raised Christ from the dead dwells within us. This power of God is within us. But now we have to embrace this victory. The victory that was won at the cross by Jesus confirmed three days later as our king rose from the dead. And so this comes back full circle. What is your identity? Are you a saint? Are you a son or a daughter of the king? Or are you a powerless, unloved, struggling sinner? Do we all fail in sin? Yes, yes. First John makes it clear, this is, he says, if we seek to walk in the light, as he, Christ, is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, right? We will continue to struggle this side of eternity. But where is your primary identity placed? The fullness of him who fills all in all. Are you filled with Christ this morning? Are you in Christ and Christ in you? And so these are the three closing thoughts I wanna leave you with. That you may know that you are in Christ evidenced by your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. You know who your Father is. That's your identity. Christ in you, the hope of glory, this power of the resurrection that that Christ has conquered and that you can live in his victory and claim that every time the accuser comes against you, speaking lies to you rooted in the victory of Jesus. You don't have to win the victory again. Jesus has won it. You have to claim it and live in that, walk in that, believing the truths of Scripture and walking in that. And lastly, that you may know the rule and reign of King Jesus in every area of your life and be an ambassador, a saint, walking in this victory and bringing the fragrance of this victory to everyone around you. If we could have the worship team come back up and and we'll close out our time together this morning, would you just pray with me? Jesus, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. Yes, our sin is is so great, but your blood is greater. You've wiped the, the slate clean. You've cleansed us if we have placed our faith in you this morning. But if there's someone here this morning, Lord, that's been playing church, Lord, that's just been going through the motions but doesn't know their sins are forgiven, doesn't have this identity rooted in you, then, Lord, let them respond this morning right where they're at, crying out to you with a genuine heart of repentance and faith and belief in you, Jesus. And take that step today. And for all of us, Lord, that wrestle with the lies of the enemy, the accuser that comes to us where waves of shame come over us, over our past or over our current struggles or whatever, or worries about the future, the anxiety we sometimes feel. Lord, I pray that we could replace those lies with your truth from your word. And that as the enemy comes against us, we could Remember who our father is, that we've been adopted as your children, that we have value and worth as your kids, Lord, and that your spirit now dwells within us, giving us the victory, and that if we can walk in that, placing our primary identity in you and what you've accomplished, Lord, victory is ours. And as you've placed all things under your feet, Jesus, you reign, you rule, that same reigning and ruling over sin, over struggles, can be ours in you. And may Satan be crushed under our feet as we leave this place walking in your victory, Jesus. May your scriptures be fulfilled through us, your people, your body, by the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna invite you to stand as we close out the service together. And if, if, if we could... I have a, a couple of our leaders over here on the side, um, just want to encourage you not to leave this place this morning without receiving prayer this morning, to, to just humble ourselves before God. If you were stirred this morning, then, then whether over there or having a brother or sister pray for you before you leave.